What's going on? Yerks here. Welcome to Yerks Talks. Thursday, January 21st. How are we doing? The winds have finally died down in San Diego. It's inc- it's great. Like it, it's, it's really nice out today, actually. It is fantastic. Went out for a little walk. It's, it was awesome. It was really good. So, oh, yeah, it's just great. I, I was worried that they weren't going to go away. Uh, apparently, we're going to get uh, rain soon as well. I can't complain, man. San Diego is fantastic for about 11, 10 and a half months uh, throughout the entire year. And then that last, like, then there's like one month where we get pretty much all the seasons. So, I mean, yeah, it's perfect. I mean, I can't, I I can't really complain. It could be a lot, lot worse, but hope everybody's having a solid week so far on today's episode. I'm going to talk some NFL news, and then we're going to dabble into some basket hoops. Haven't talked about the NBA for a little bit. We went in on James Harden last week, uh, so we will uh, reflect on how he's doing. Uh, The big three, the new big three for the Nets, they played their first game all together last night, so we'll talk about that. And uh, then we'll take a a quick look at, like, it's a way too early look at the standings in the NBA. But that's the plan for today. You can follow me on Twitter at John Yerks, and you can also follow the podcast on Instagram at Yerks Talks. You can uh, follow on Spotify as well, and subscribe to Apple Podcasts. Okay, I have to start here. Uh, we're gonna go in the NF- go in with the NFL first, and I gotta start with this because this was outstanding. So, uh, the Lions' new head coach Dan Campbell, he had his. Uh, opening press conference today, along with uh, Brandon Staley for the Chargers. But his, uh, oh my God, his co- his conference uh, or his press conference was just outstanding. It, it was it was fantastic. Uh, I think it might might be troublesome for some people, like they could view it in a different light. But oh man, I love this. I talked about how I felt Robert Sala was the best guy for this job because. You're not only trying to change the mindset of a team, but a city as well, right? Where they've just been, it's been rough. If you're if you're a Detroit Lions fan, or if you're just like a Detroit sports fan, it has not been kind. You know, I think like I look back when, I mean, I think the Red Wings were good for a little bit, and then the Detroit Tigers back in I think 0304 with Verlander. I the the year might be wrong there, but you know when you had that. That team, you guys are really good. And then since then, it's been pain and suffering, um, particularly with the Lions. So they've had a lot of uh, just – it's been brutal. It's, like that's the nicest way I can put it. Uh, so Campbell came in, and he had a 19-minute opening statement. And uh, um, I'm just going to read some of this out to you guys. Uh, so he starts off by like saying this. This place has been kicked. It's been battered. It's been bruised. And I could sit up here and give you coach speak all day long. I can give you, hey, we're we're going to win this weekend. None of that matters, and you guys don't want to hear it anyways. You've heard enough of that. Sh- you've heard enough of that shit. Excuse my language. So right off the top, I'm like, hell yeah, dude. He's bringing the energy, the passion. That's what you want. Then he goes in and says this. Here's what I do know. This team is going to take on the identity of this city, and this city has been down, and it found and it and it and it has found its way to get up. It's found a way to overcome adversity, right? So this team is going to be built on. We're going to kick you in the teeth, and we're going to punch us back, and we're going to, we're going to, and when you punch us back, we're going to smile at you, and when you knock us down, we're going to get get up. And it's like, all right, sick, hell yeah! Like 
I love the energy, love the passion, all that stuff. It's fantastic. And when we get up, we're gonna you're, we're gonna bite a kneecap off. Okay, you lose, you lost me there. <laughs> bite a okay, all right. But you know, I lo- still still love the aggression, right? He's first interview. He's probably a little bit nervous. You know, he wants to make a, make a good state, um, good first impression impression. And so it's like, yeah. And then we're gonna stand up. It's gonna take two more shots and knock us down. Hmm. And on the way up, like, he's just a football guy. You just huck it, chuck it football. That's what he's about. And we're going to stand up. It's going to take two more shots to knock us down. And on the way up, we're going to take your other kneecap. Okay, what's going on, like, with the kneecap stuff? But, ah, uh, whatever. And we're going to get up. It's going to take three shots to get us down. And when we do, we're going to take another hunk out of you. I mean, at this, what are we, like, at this point, it's like, okay, we get it. Like, you're aggressive. Like, we love it. But then, you know, before long, we're going to be the last one standing. That's going to be the mentality. I love it. I'm here for it. It might seem pretty eccentric. I saw some stuff on Twitter where it's like, I don't know if I want my my, my head coach talking like that. You look around the league, you don't see guys. I'm like, well, I don't know if you want uh, – I don't know if that's what Detroit needs. Even if this guy's not a permanent, you know, uh, fix, maybe he gets you guys trending in the right direction. It's where you can get uh, a head coach that's maybe more – uh, restrained um, in interviews and things like that. Uh, Brandon Staley's press conference went extremely different for the Chargers this morning. He had like notes written down. He felt very formal. Not that Campbell didn't hold his own, but I think that he like I think he is nailing what he has to do in Detroit. It's about the city. Like you're you know you're trying to build a foundation. Like hey, like we're not losers. Like we. We can come back. We're going to be competitive. We're, we're the underdog, and we're going to own that role, and we're going to get after it. So I love this. I just, I, I'm a big fan of it, even though it was a little bit, a little bit out there with the kneecap stuff, but man, I love it. He's also getting comparisons to the dude uh, with from The Big Lebowski. If you have not seen that movie, you have to. It's fantastic. It is just incredible. But so yeah, I'm, I'm loving it. Uh, big fan of that. Speaking of head coaches, the Philadelphia Eagles, they found their new man. They hired Indy's old offensive coordinator, Nick Sirium. Sirium? I be- I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Nick Sirianni. Sirianni. I butchered that. Yeah. Nick Sirianni is the Eagles' new, uh, new head coach. He was the offensive coordinator for the Colts last year, so he's worked under Frank Reich who was the offensive coordinator for the Eagles when Wentz was there. So I think that, I mean, all signs point to them. They're going to go forward with Carson Wentz as their starting quarterback. And it makes a lot of sense. I mean, the amount of money that you would just throw away if you tried to, if you either cut or tried to trade Wentz is just staggering. So, I mean, this just makes a ton of sense. Uh, the Colts last year, they were ranked ninth in scoring. Uh, they averaged 28 points per game and 10th in yards per game. They averaged about 380. Uh, they were, though, the one thing, they were brutal in the red zone, like brutal in the red zone, terrible there. That's why uh, their rookie kicker, Rodrigo Blankenship, goggles, had so many field goals and made the Pro Bowl, I believe. And then they were awful on third down conversion. So, um, you know, I mean, there's little things that you can tighten up. And they normally, you know, those trends – don't always carry over to the next season, but you know, something to look at. So yeah, it just makes a lot of sense uh, to stick with Wentz and uh, go that route. This guy also, you know, he's, he's been a quarter, he's been offense basically his entire 
career uh, in 2016 or from 2014 to 2017. He was on the Chargers. Oh, sorry, from 2013 to 2017, he was on the Chargers staff and he was uh, working with the quarterbacks, wide receivers. He uh, that's kind of his alley. So he's an offensive guy. He's young as well. He's only 39, and so you know it makes sense from the Eagles' standpoint. Why not get like a guy that hasn't had any head coaching experiments? Get him in there. I actually, I'm not sure if he's even called plays yet. So maybe it's a little bit of a risk, but you know, they found their guy, right? You, it makes so much sense. I mean, it, like sometimes like the easiest answer is like right in front of your face. Okay. So Wentz was successful with Frank Wright. There's a guy that's the offensive coordinator who's under Frank Wright. Well, why don't we go get that guy and maybe he'll bring over some of what a Frank Wright did and with Carson Wentz. And so, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, there is pressure, though, and this is way, probably too, way too early to talk about it, but if Carson Wentz starts next season and maybe goes the first four or five days, four or five games, excuse me, and looks horrendous, then there's going to be like, like a tremendous out, like out, outcry for Jalen Hurts because he looked promising at the end of last season. So just keep that in mind as this is going. Uh, now six of the seven head coaching positions have been filled. The only one that is left is Houston. And, I mean, they got a shit ton of issues right now. They're still trying to figure out the Deshaun Watson thing. I've given my two cents on that. Uh, last week I went, you know, in-depth about that situation. Uh, to quickly sum it up, I think that, like, the ownership has gone behind Deshaun Watson's back. They don't have his best interest at heart, which is staggering because you paid him a ridiculous amount of money, and he's your franchise quarterback, and he's a top-five quarterback in the league. Uh, I don't know why you would want to make that guy angry. And so um, right now it's, uh, it's, it's, it's chaos. And I think it's going to continue that way. I will say that the Sean Watson has been incredibly patient throughout this. Uh, I mean, he hasn't demanded a trade yet and he is just, you know, taking his time where other players in this situation probably might have already requested a trade, a trade or been mo more vocal on social media. He's been throwing jabs every now and again, but nothing like crazy, you know? And I mean, he like he was he was a top 5 quarterback last year and the team went 4 and 12. I mean, do you have any idea how god awful you have to be for your to have Deshaun Watson and to lose 12 games? I mean, there was an NFL films where they do the mic'd up, right? And uh, it was the last game of the season for Houston when they were playing the Titans. And he was, and like it was, uh, JJ Watt was mic'd up for it. And then like they were going out the field, and it was him to Sean Watson. He's like, I'm sorry, man. We wasted one of your years. He knows that like they should be competing, like nine, 10 wins almost every, every season. And so, yeah, I mean, like that's how good Watson is. And if and if he does and it does get extremely complicated because he has most of the leverage here because in his contract he has a no trade clause which means that even if Houston finds a trade offer if Deshaun wasn't doesn't want to go to that team he can just say no and they got to start from over start all over again now uh, he could potentially hold out and he could lose some money if it gets to um, a certain point then he could lose his signing bonus so again not a clear and cut situation. Uh, which brings me to my other point here. And um, the reason why they think that they have a head coach vacancy is because of this Deshaun Watson nonsense. Um, the head only head coach I think that you could have at this point is Eric Bieniemy. Um But I mean, if I'm him, I'm thinking, hell no. 
Like, I don't want to go here, especially if I don't have Deshaun Watson. If Desha- like if Deshaun is not there, then nobody in their right mind would take this job at all. So, yeah, that's a little bit of the Houston situation. Before I move on, I did want to talk about Eric Bieniemy. So, I need to be careful when I proceed here. All right, so. I, I, I feel that the narrative being portrayed right now in, regard, in regards to Biennemi is that people are being racist towards him by not hiring him. That's, that, that's how I feel when I read what's online. That's not how I feel. I, that's the vibe I get. There's a lot of either like insiders or like former players or things like that where they see another white head coach getting hired and they just immediately assume like, oh, okay, people are racist or they, they don't want to give black people a chance. This, that, and the other thing. Right. I, I don't think, I don't think that's true. I really don't. I've always been a, um, so speaking as somebody who is a minority, I've never had that mindset. And I'm sure that there's been events in my lifetime where people have been mean to me or discriminated me based on like my, the color of my skin or things like that. All right. I feel that like the league, the, the rule that the league made, which incentivized hiring minorities was the worst thing that they could have possibly done. The Niners are going to get a third round draft pick this year. If I'm re- if I remember if Sala qualifies, which he should, because I believe he's a person of, he's a person of color. The Niners are going to get a third round draft pick this year because the Jets hired Sala as their head coach. That's absurd. That's that it's that's essentially like is it like I I was going to say reverse racism but it's just straight up racism. Like that's what it is. So I I think that the best person should get the job period. If they feel if the Eagles feel that Nick Sirianni is the best person for their head coaching position and it shouldn't matter. Like race should not even play a part, okay? Like and I and I I do feel that Eric Bieniemy is good. There's been some rumors that he doesn't interview re- interview well and i feel like people are running with that and saying like oh they're just making excuses it's because he's black this that and the other thing it's like man i i there's just so much that goes into it and like what would people say if the enemy does get a job somewhere and he sucks the piece that's my issue with the whole thing is like i mean we just had mlk day and it's like judge me by the content of my character not my skin i butchered that it's the other way around judge me not by the color of my skin but the content of my character and so I, I just hate that this narrative, I feel that this narrative is getting pushed constantly. I'm not for it, man. Um, I, it, it really bugs me as somebody who is African-American. Like, I, I don't want any like handouts. I really don't. Like, I want to work for, I want to work for what I have. And I think that the is deserving. And I think that eventually you will get your chance. And maybe there are people, and I know that there are people in this world. Maybe there's some in the NFL, some owners out there that are like, I'm not, I'm not hiring an African-American as my head coach. And, you know, that's that's on them. But I think to, to force this and to feed this to, like, people and fans all over the world, I think it's damaging to your brand, and I think it sends the wrong message. So, yeah, I think it's going to keep happening because everything gets politicized now. But, man, like, I the best person should get the job, period. That's my thought on that. Okay, enough of politics. Let's move on. So the GM roles that were open, they have now all been filled. Uh, Washington has yet to confirm, but it's pretty much a done deal. Uh, their new GM is going to be, oh, I'm blanking on this. Is it Andrew Herney? Michael Herney? 
Andrew, I wrote, I wrote it down, but now I can't find it because I went on that rant about racism. Uh, <laughs> shoot. But uh, the, their GM is going to be pretty much sealed and done. And then the Jaguars, they just got, they just hired their new GM, uh, Trent Balky. So now he's going to join Urban Meyer, and they're going to try to turn that franchise around. Uh, so as a Niner fan, I do have some info about Balky. He was the Niners GM from 2011 to 2016. So that was during the Harbaugh era. Uh, where three straight we went to three straight conference championship games and a Super Bowl. Uh, so 2011, 2012 was the Super Bowl year where we lost, and then 2013, the following year we went eight and eight. And um, it was before that even that year even started. It was uh, rumored that this was going to be Harbaugh's last season. Uh, there was a constant power struggle between him and Balky about like what to do with picks, trades, free agents, all that stuff. And so the CEO sided with Bulky there, and they let Jim Harbaugh go. Go. Then it was horse shit for you know about a two three year span. They promoted from within, uh, and they hired Jim Tasula. You know, obviously, like Bulky wanted to keep that control, so they hire a guy inside that's going to listen to what they say. And uh, then uh, when that happened, you saw an exodus of players. So I think that the the move, the leaving of Harbaugh in that situation caused a bunch of players to leave. They got rid of some guys. Obviously, they didn't agree with how the organization was running at the time. So, like, Patrick Rulis retired. Navarro Bowman was gone. We lost some left tackles. Uh, Justin Smith, defensive tackle, retired. Like, it was an exodus of, like, all of our talented players. Um, Colin Kaepernick was still the quarterback at the time. He and um, – so he was – you know, they were trying to do his thing, but they were figuring out that, like, if you take away his run and force him to pass, he's not – He's not that accurate. The guy had no touch on his passes. Uh, he, he would throw bullets for, like, screen passes. It was insane. So, yeah, then we go to 2016, and then we tried that Chip Kelly sh- stuff. Uh, from He was on the Eagles at the time. We brought him over to, you know, help Colin Kaepernick run that, like, Oregon-style uh, offense, and that was a complete dumpster fire. They were 12, and they, they finished the year 2-14, and 14, and then Belke was fired after that, and then sit along with Chip Kelly, and then in steps the new regime, Kyle Shanahan as the head coach, and then John Lynch as our new GM. And uh, we're looking pretty solid so far. Unlucky season this year. So basically what it comes down to in Jacksonville is if we have to see if there will be cooperation with Meyer and Trent, ba- and Trent Bulky. I've, I've talked about a lot where you need that yin and the yin and yang. You need that um, co- cohesion. That You have to be on the same page. Uh, I brought up Buffalo a shit ton on this podcast. But I'm just like, I love, they're the perfect example. That's why I keep bringing them up. Yeah, like 2017, you bring in GM head coach, you go get your franchise quarterback, you you get some a supporting cast around him, and now you're competing potentially for a Super Bowl. You got to win this weekend. And so, yeah, I mean, that's 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 what they got to see, and that's what Jacksonville's hoping to replicate. Um, I imagine in this, in this like partnership, Urban Meyer is going to be the one wearing the pants. And so I, we'll see if Balky can take more of like a secondary role to Meyer or if they're, if they're going to continuously butt, butt heads. Um, we'll see what happens. I mean, Urban Meyer is a fantastic coach, and he rebuilds franchises. That's what he's done. It's a little bit different in the NFL, but I expect the Jaguars to be – I mean, they could be competitive with Trevor Lawrence. He is that great. Uh, so, yeah, I, I expect them to turn the franchise around. I, I have a lot of confidence in Meyer. And Balky. When he was with Harbaugh, before they were button heads, they had a ton of great draft picks. I mean, three straight conference championships. 
and a Super Bowl in a four-year span is phenomenal. Last story in the NFL I wanted to touch on, uh, Dwayne Haskins. So he uh, was on the Washington football team. Uh, you know, he's supposed to be their future, drafted in the first round. They're going to build around him, all that stuff. And then there were shenanigans off the field, and they cut him. He went out and said, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to prove myself. I'm going to be better for this, better man, better football player, all those subs. And he is getting his second chance way sooner than I thought he was going to. And it's a fantastic opportunity. He's going to sign. He signed a contract with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, talk about cream of the crop here. Great owner, great organization, stable head coach in Mike Tomlin. is going to go down as one of the greats, in my opinion. I mean, of all the places he could land, I mean, oh, this is incredible. This is this would be like one of your top choices if you're a quarterback. I mean, it's they're set up to win right now. Uh, the the weapons outside, things like that. Now, I'm not I'm not going crazy here. He's not going to walk on and start. He's going to be behind. He's going to probably be the third string guy. But I, you know, oh my god, it's it's I'm I'm just so happy for him. I think that the talent is there, and you know, I I'm not I don't know the guy, so I'm not going to bury him. Uh, but you know. You sign up. It that's that. It comes with a position. We need the quarterback of an NFL team, like the you know the, the starting quarterback. You have to be better than everybody else. You can't you can't go out and you know have fun. You got to like you know you got to keep it keep it to the chest. You can't you can't go out there and like do those eccentric things because like you have the responsibility of the franchise. You, your face is everywhere. You like you do the most interviews. Like you're you're in front of the camera all the time. And so hopefully Haskins learned from his mistakes in Washington and can go under Mike Tomlin's wing and that coaching staff and become more true, more mature and be better out of it. You know, I, I, I think that when he was in Washington, he didn't always get a fair shake either. I think that he got thrown into the fire way too soon. Urban Meyer, speaking of him, when he, he was a Haskins coach at Ohio State, or and he was saying that, hey, he's not ready to be a starter right now. That's what he was saying. Like he needs to, he needs to sit and be behind a quarterback for a few years. And so that was the, the plan. They had Alex Smith at the time. This was pre Smith's injury. And so that was the plan. But then, you know, uh, Jay Gruden, the head coach at the time was under some pressure. And so he, he they, they, you know, Washington was demanding to see the rookie out there. And so they threw him in early and then, you know, he struggled, but last year he was making some progress. And then Ron Rivera said like, you know, now nah, you're gone. And then, the shenanigans happen after that. So I'm hoping that, you know, with this fresh start, he makes the most of it. And for the Steelers, it's a very low risk, high reward contract for them. So it makes a ton of sense. People are asking what this means for big Ben. Uh, So Roethlisberger has one year left on his contract. It's a cap hit of 41 million. So that's a shit ton of money. If they cut him, they save about $25 million. There's also the possibility that Ben might retire. He's talked about uh, where he has to, he's saying he wants to talk to his family and friends and think it over. And so if that happens, then the, I think the Steelers could probably still maybe try to bring in another quarterback. Unless Dwayne Haskins just ex- excels in the offseason and training camp. But most likely they could either bring in a, another quarterback or they might take one near the end of the first round like a Mac Jones or a Kyle Trask from Florida. Uh, Jones is from Alabama. And so that could happen as well. But I'm ha- I'm happy for Haskins here. I I, I'm a, I like giving people a second chance. I don't like writing people off. 
I think that you can always, you know, be redeemed or like salvage. <laughs> Not like he murdered somebody, but like, you know, I mean, I think that he deserves a second chance and he's going to get it with Pittsburgh and I hope he makes the most of it. All right, that's it for football. Let's move on to some basket hoops to close out today's episode. So I want to start with some COVID stuff with the NBA. Uh, so they are, uh, you know, they're they're struggling with some stuff right now. They're still trying to figure it out. I I maybe was a little bit harsh when I was saying that they're not, they're like they had enough time to prepare. I mean, obviously, you know, you, nobody knows what it's going to be like with uh, with the COVID and things like that and the different protocols. And so they're, they're still trying to figure things out. But um, uh, to help negate the spread, uh, they are banning, and I just thought this is a funny way of putting it, but like they're forbidding hugs, handshakes, like things like that. And I just thought that was hilarious. Uh, so they're going to have like, um, like guards or like, you know, officials try to, you know, limit physical contact to elbow or fist bumps, high fives, hugs, handshakes are not allowed. Uh, even post game, like you can't touch anybody. So, I mean, you could wear like maybe gloves after post game. If they really want to do that, but yeah, they're really trying to lock down uh, for the week of January 13th to the 19th. So last week they had 11 new positive cases of COVID-19 out of 502 players. Um, and then on Wednesday, Yesterday, they, they postponed Friday's game between the Washington Wizards and the Bucks. It's the 17th regular season game postponed this season. That's a lot. We're only like three weeks in. That That's a that's a lot of games already be postponed, which is why I thought that this was a great opportunity to make, make the, the season shorter. They only shorten it by like 12 games. I don't understand. Make it like 50 games. Go crazy. So space it out more. You know, I think that's part of it, too, is that like you're like they're traveling so much and like you're on it's like the court, like you're so confined on the court. that There's a lot of like fluids and stuff getting mixed around. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that, like you know, you're in a gym as well. Like it's harder to clean stuff sometimes instead of like being outside in the air, like a lot of practice fields with the NFL and like baseball, for example. So. Yeah, I mean, they're going to figure it out and they're going to keep the season going. But um, yeah, no no high fives, no hugs. You can't do any of your fancy handshakes anymore. The Brooklyn Nets, they finally debuted uh, the big three, right? So uh, James Harden, I talked about that a lot last week where he forced his way out of Houston. And uh, now he's kind of on his own redemption trail as well because I think that, that the Rockets did plenty to, to make him to allow that team to succeed. And I think that James Harden um, cares more about the lifestyle of an NBA player than winning championships. But regardless, he went to the Nets and now it's essentially uh, a ring or bust for them. So they did Kyrie Irving came back. Uh, he was dealing with some personal issues, didn't want to get into it. And so he came back last night. Uh, to take on the Cavaliers, the big three debuted, and guess what? They lost. Shout out to Colin Sexton for the Cavaliers. 42 points last night, 16 of 29 from the field, 5 of 11 from three. Guy was on fire. He had 20 points alone in two overtimes. This game went to double overtime. He had a three-pointer with 1.2 seconds left to force the game to that double overtime. He just took over, man. It was crazy. Cavaliers won 147 to 135. So yes, even with the double overtimes, no defense was being played at all. 
Uh, so yeah, obviously he led the way for the Cowboys with 42, and it was just fantastic. Uh, for the big three, Kevin Durant led the way for the Nets with 38, Kyrie Irving had 37, and James Harden had 21. Uh, the interesting there, I think that Irving was trying to prove, probably prove himself first game back, but he shot more than Durant and Harden, which in that system, not going to work. Kevin Durant needs to take the most shots. Like, straight up. Irving had 28 shots last night. Durant had 25. So it was close, but Kyrie should be nowhere near 28 shots a game. He should be more of a facilitator. and He does some ISO stuff where he can get up a shot. But, I mean, the offense should run through Durant and Harden. That's why they're there. I mean, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. The the, um, defense is going to be a huge issue for them as well. Uh, Durant, I think, is a solid defender just because he's a freak. Um but Kyrie Irving and James Harden are terrible on defense. Like, they're liabilities. So we'll see if that we'll see if that um, hinders them. But mo- more often than not, they'll just outscore everybody, so it doesn't really matter. Harden has been on a tear. I got to give it to him. Got to give credit where credit is due, even though I have my opinions. Another... Uh, triple double for him last night. Twenty one points, ten rebounds, twelve assists. It's it's been insane. Uh, they're gonna make the playoffs, obviously, because pretty much every every team in, in the NBA makes it, and they're really good. Um, but once again, it's it's pretty much finals or bust for this team. Uh, that's kind of how it goes, and I don't know how they're gonna all work together. These are all strong willed personalities, and I think that they might clash constantly. But we'll see. Uh, I mean, you can't really get much out of this. Great night for Colin Sexton. He deserves it. Uh, 22-year-old, he was fantastic. And then to end the episode off, I wanted to do, uh, again, very soon. It's way too early, but just run through the standings here uh, and talk about that. So, in first in the Eastern Conference. Now, granted, there have been some games missed, so it might not make a ton of sense, but the 76ers lead the way in the East. Uh, followed by the Bucks, then the Celtics in that three spot, the Indiana Pacers uh, in that four spot. Maybe a little bit surprising. Um, and then Karis LeVert, by the way, who uh, went over in that trade, that four-team trade with James Harden, where for some reason we got the Cavaliers and the Pacers involved. Uh, d- during that trade, he had to have a physical, of course, and they found a mass on his kidney. Which was absurd, like like which could have potentially saved his life. I don't. Uh, I think it, it was benign right now, is what they were saying. I haven't had a lot of info on it, but he hasn't practiced. There hasn't been news of surgery, so it might just be a random um, spot on his kidney. I'm not quite sure, but yeah, I mean, it could have potentially saved his life getting that trade because he was practicing 100. percent He said everything was fine, and so yeah, I mean, he hasn't played yet. But Pacers sitting in that four spot right now. Behind them are the Nets, then the Cavaliers the Atlanta Hawks, and then the New York Knicks. Way to go, Knicks, in that final A spot as it stands. As for my Bulls, we're, trying to, we're still trying to figure it out. Uh, we're 6-8 uh, six, six and eight right now, trying to get back to 500. Uh, the, maybe the one surprise in the East right now is the Miami Heat. They are only 6-7. and seven. Uh, But, yeah, again, I mean, it's a long season, and they'll, they'll, they'll get into form, right? Uh, normally the team after, like, that loses a final – Normally starts the next year kind of slow, and so that's uh, that's kind of what's going on here. But I mean, they'll they'll make the playoffs, no problem. And then your last 
Your team in dead last in the East is the Detroit Pistons. Like I said, it's hard for Detroit. Let's go, Dan Campbell. Turn the lines around, baby. The Pistons are 3-11. and 11. Yikes. In the West, ton of talented teams over here. Uh, the LA uh, Clippers and the LA Lakers are joint top. They have the best record in the in the NBA. They are both 11-4. and four. Behind them are the Utah Jazz. They've been looking strong this year, followed by the Phoenix Suns. Lot, fun team to watch. Loving me some Chris Paul and Devin Booker. It's been fantastic. Uh, the Golden State Warriors are after them, 8-6. and six. Steph Curry is just unstoppable. You can't guard him. And their rookie, James Wiseman, whew, they got a steal. That, he's a baller. That guy's man. If this team had Klay Thompson right now, oh, lordy, they'd be fantastic. Uh, the Trailblazers are behind them. And then followed by the Grizzlies in that last playoff spot, the San Antonio Spurs. They don't go away, baby. They're just consistently always vying for the playoffs. They're well-coached, well-run. It's great. Uh, the uh, the Mavericks are on their heels along with the Nuggets. Uh, they've had some injury stuff. Um, of course, uh, Christoph Porzingis, the unicorn, is always injured. And uh, the Nuggets, they've been missing some guys as well. So they'll probably get into form as well. I, I would imagine that the Mavericks and the Nuggets both make the playoffs. Love me some Nikola Jokic. I think I don't like to just frivolously spend stuff, but I really want a Jokic jersey. I like watching him play a lot. Uh, last team in the West are the Houston, uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Houston Rockets, uh, four and nine. Uh, ever since that Harden exodus, they're probably not going to be super competitive in uh, the league this year. But that's uh, the standing so far. Uh, this, I haven't watched too much basketball it's been more about football once the super bowl ends i'll probably get more into the nba and then baseball starts off oh baby there is a lull though like right after the super bowl and like where it's like mid-season basketball or like it's just kind of you know we have to like wait till like march madness and then like the masters normally goes around then too and so like i'll be a little bit like sad during that time but uh you know it always comes back around it always does so that's going to do it for this episode, though. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate all the support. If you like this one, feel free to share with friends, families, coworkers, all that fun stuff. Tomorrow is Friday, baby, and we are going to preview the conference championship matchups. Bills, Chiefs, Packers, Bucks should be fantastic quarterback play. I'll also give the... Um, I'll talk about Patrick Mahomes and what he's been going through this week. And all right. Um, and you know, is he on track to clear concussion protocol? Will he play things like that? So I'll get in all, I will get into all that tomorrow. And so that is the plan. Have a great rest of your day. Go watch some sports and I'll see you in the next one.